0: listening to the believe in dog podcast. I'm your host and resident dog mom, Erin Scott. If you consider your dog a family member, then this podcast is for you. Let's celebrate the love and connection we have with our dogs. Not only can a dog be your best friend, but I believe a dog can be a healer, a teacher, and an inspiration. This is a place for us to connect in the joy of loving our dogs, and also a place where you know you're not alone in the difficult times or in the sadness of missing a dog that was an important part of your life. I can't wait to share with you stories of how the love of a dog is changing our lives and changing the world. This is Believe in Dog. Welcome to episode 12 of the Believe in Dog podcast. Today, I am excited to share with you my conversation with Erin Crowley of PityClothing.com. I first found out about Pity Clothing from the Live Like Rue Foundation's Facebook page. You may remember that in episode 11, I spoke with Sarah Lauk, the founder of the Live Like Roo Foundation. And so... I was like, what is pity clothing? I have pit bulls. I know how difficult it can be to find clothing that fit their unique measurements and their broad chest size that does not necessarily seem proportionate to the rest of them. So i stumbled upon pity clothing and was reading their about story on their website. And I thought I have to reach out to them and set up an interview because I wanted everybody to hear their story also. So Pity Clothing is also based out of Chicago, Illinois. I have never visited Chicago. However, I have sort of an affection and an affinity for the city, mostly because they're like a bigger, badder Baltimore. Whenever you see the lists of most dangerous cities, of most murders or violence, Chicago and Baltimore are usually neck and neck with things like murder per capita. But like Baltimore, Chicago is also home to a lot of really dedicated residents and citizens who are working to make Chicago a better place for people and for animals. In episode three of the podcast, where I spoke with Michelle Soraki, and then again in episode six with Annie Pruitt, I discussed some of the background of the end fighting campaign that had been launched by the Humane Society of the United States from 2008 to 2011. And then, and dogfighting campaign actually morphed into a program called Pets for Life, and Chicago was actually one of the first cities to host the End Dog Fighting campaign and Pets for Life. In fact, Chicago's own Friends of Chicago Animal Care and Control organization is actually now running Pets for Life in Chicago. And there's also the Pause for Life program in Chicago, which is similar to Charm City Companions that Annie Pruitt discussed in episode six of my podcast, where they go door to door to do outreach in underserved neighborhoods. I'm also a big fan of Crisp, the Chicagoland Rescue Intervention and Support Program, which helps pet owners keep their pets rather than surrender to animal control. There's also an organization called Safe Humane Chicago that's doing amazing work. And Chicago's courthouses are also home to an emotional support dog where children who have to testify in court can have an emotional support dog to accompany them and help keep them calm during their courtroom testimony. So I tell you this just to tell you that there's a lot of awesome people and organizations in Chicago, not to mention Sarah Lauk and Live Like Rue Foundation, and now Erin Crowley of pityclothing.com. As I share with you in the opening sequence to the podcast, I love sharing stories where a dog has been a healer, a teacher, and or an inspiration in someone's life. and. Those have all been very true in my life, and they've also all been very true in Erin Crowley's life, as we will hear today. Erin and I will discuss her childhood experience with pets. We'll discuss what led Erin and her boyfriend to adopting their first pit bull named Duncan. We'll discuss Erin's experience with Duncan's crate escapism and separation anxiety, and how Erin and her boyfriend handled Duncan's unexpected health issues. Erin will tell us about her connection to Sarah Lauk and the Live Like Rue Foundation, and she'll tell us the origin story of pity clothing and the struggles of pit bull owners trying to find cute outfits that fit their dogs. Erin tells us about the lengthy process she went through to determine the sizing for her pity clothes and sample making process. Erin shares with us the multitude of ways in which pity clothing partners with rescues, shelters, and other nonprofit organizations. And Erin's hope that her pity clothes will help make pit bulls look more approachable and less threatening in their image. Erin shares with us the experiences that she had with people having negative reactions to her pit bull. And we also discuss the struggle of pit bull owners and breed discrimination policies when trying to find apartment rental and affordable housing in Chicago and other cities and how this problem contributes to even more dogs ending up in animal shelters. Erin and I discuss the fun of dressing your dog up for a themed dog walk, and how Dougie has joined Erin's family, as well as a foster chihuahua. And then we find out more about Pity Clothing's products, designs, and partnerships. So let's get started. So I'm here today with Erin Crowley of Pity Clothing, and I can't wait to hear her story. Hi, Erin.
1: Hi, how are you?
0: I'm doing good, thanks. So I found your website originally through the Live Like Roo Foundation, and I love what you're doing. I love the idea of putting pit bulls in cute clothes, and I love that I can buy matching pajamas for my dog, too. And so I really wanted to hear your story. Yeah.
1: Where should, where should we start? It's a long story.
0: <laughs> well, I'm always curious, did you have pets growing up or experience with dogs growing up? So
1: when i was about four actually actually even going back further i have this home video i was probably one and my dad was holding me and uh, we were looking out the window and and there was a possum in our garage and so animal control i think came to get it out and i was just like crying at the window like doggy dog <laughs> uh, i saw that video actually for the first time recently so always have had sort of an innate love for them. Um, but then when I was about four or five, I was up in Wisconsin with uh, at a family reunion. And I remember there were kittens that we were playing with. And I just absolutely fell in love with, with kittens to start because I didn't really have much exposure to dogs. Um, mostly because my mom was not a big dog lover. They never had dogs growing up, although my dad was. Um, but she won, won that battle in the house. So <laughs> we didn't have a dog. Um, but then after... After I met this kitten, totally fell in love. My parents finally caved like three years later. They got me a cat, Taz, and loved him. He was great, but I still really wanted the dog. So from about 7 to 12, I wrote my parents a letter every birthday, like trying to convince them to to get me a dog. And then when I was 12, actually, I, I convinced my best friend's dad, who lived across the street from me, to build a doghouse, even though we didn't have a dog, because I thought that could convince my parents. If I put in all this work in building a doghouse, that they would get me one. So I
0: love that. <laughs> yeah, we. Uh,
1: it was sort of a surprise project. We were in their garage, just working away on it. Um, built the doghouse, and then for my twelfth birthday, maybe thirteen, um, we got our first dog. Oh! And so it took <laughs> it took some years to uh, convince them, but. Finally, finally did. That was Scooter. Um, and he lived a good life. He lived till probably 12 or 13 years old.
0: What kind of dog was he?
1: He was a lhasa opsa dachshund mix. Oh, okay. As a as a kid, like, I, I truly didn't know anything about, like, puppy mills or breeders or shelters or whatnot. Um, I just went and, and picked out the cutest puppy that I saw at the time. So since then, I've learned a lot about that and am now an advocate for... For shelter dogs, of course. But yeah, when I was twelve, I just you know, I just wanted the cute puppy. So that was sort of my childhood experience. As so he passed away when I was in college, I believe. So then when I left college, finally I was like, Okay, I'm you know, I can my mom's not here to tell me I can't get a dog, I can get as many dogs <laughs> as I want. <laughs> and then that kind of led me to my first pit bull.
0: So how did that happen?
1: So I was, let's see, this was, we're in 2020. This was 2014 about. Uh, My boyfriend and I were living together downtown Chicago and I just knew I needed a dog in my life. Um, So we looked at some different rescues online and we came across Chicago Canine Rescue. I don't remember how exactly. So we, we, Went there, as we were driving there, my boyfriend showed me a photo of this white pit bull type dog. His name was White Cloud. (laughs) And he had this extremely pink face in the photo. My boyfriend's like, we got to meet him. And I was just kind of like, eh, we'll see. I mean, we can, we'll give him a chance. But I had some other dogs picked out too that I wanted to see that had, I guess, just a little bit more of an attractive photo. So we went there, we met a couple dogs and he was just Duncan. We renamed him Duncan. Um, He was just the perfect mix of like playful, but also super cuddly, you know, trying to go up on our laps and totally fell in love with him. Um, And then we actually did foster. They allowed us to foster him first. And then within a week they were like, all right, someone, someone wants to see him. If, If you let another family meet him and they want him, you have to give him up. So it's sort of like, oh, what do we do? It's only been, you know, seven days. And, and you know, dogs take a while to adjust. So they're not typically their normal selves right. in the first seven days. Um, but we're like, we can't give them up. So we officially adopted him seven days after getting him and renamed him Duncan based on uh, we're big Chicago Blackhawks fans. So Duncan Keith is a player on the team. Oh,
0: OK, OK. Uh-huh. I would have had no idea. <laughs> yeah,
1: not Duncan Donuts, although I love that, too.
0: and so what was it like having Duncan
1: oh oh so the first couple months um like I said the first seven days they just you know behave very differently but as he started becoming more comfortable so we both work full-time jobs I'm a teacher my boyfriend works in construction management so you know we're gone from 8 a.m to 4 or 5 p.m and This was our first dog we had as as adults, and we weren't really sure if he was, you know, gonna what he was gonna do when we left. Basically, so we tried crating him, and every day we came home, he would be standing outside of the crate. Oh my goodness! Yeah, he literally like bent back the bars, and I know a a lot. I've heard a lot of people with pit bulls tell this a similar story: bent back the bars and got out. I mean, that's how much he hated to be contained. So we weren't really sure what to do. I mean, we would put him back in there the next morning, then we'd get home and he would just be standing outside of it. And sometimes he would have a, a couple little scratches on his nose, but nothing serious. So then we're like, okay, does he, do we give him a, a room to stay in? Do we, he loves sleeping on the bed. So we, try, we tried a day of keeping him in the bedroom and came home and the, the lamp was knocked off, over. <laughs> so we're like, okay, we don't, you know, we're not sure. If we give him rain of the house, what's going to happen? So we sort of tried some different different techniques, and they all failed miserably. And then we just knew he just he just hated to be to be contained in any way. So one day we uh, let him roam free, and we came home, and <laughs> everything was perfect. We're yeah. Like this is all it took. He just wanted just wanted to roam the house, and he never caused never caused damage after that. So it was a learning process for us for sure.
0: I've been through that too. <laughs> uh
1: huh. And actually, I mean, actually, there's a big period of separation anxiety actually after that. Um, I know a lot of people who have rescue dogs have gone through that. So for a few weeks, everything was fine. And then one day I came home and there was Monopoly money all over the floor. So he had like somehow gotten into our Monopoly game and just like spread money everywhere. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Yeah. But you could tell the separate, he was getting nervous when we were leaving because, you know, we were growing attached to each other. Right. Um, As time went on. And then what was tough, too, when I, because I'm a teacher, I would be home for the summers. And then as soon as I went back to work, the separation anxiety would start again. Because he was so, you know, the schedule was off. Right. So we had about a year and a half with him. And then we noticed he was getting skinnier. And so we took him into the vet. And then they asked us to collect a urine sample. And so one day my boyfriend, so he walked in, brought back the urine sample inside, and it was totally dark in color. And, I, and of course, you know, I'm going on Google and freaking myself out. I'm like, oh, this is not good. This is not good. It, it appeared to be blood of some sort. Right. So we took him to Roscoe Village Animal Hospital. And they did some tests and th- it all, this all happened very suddenly. Right. And that day I just, I remember we were waiting like hours and hours to hear what was going on. And I just had a terrible feeling after everything I had read. Um, and he was only two years old. So we come in the room and the vet tells us we found a tumor on his kidney and it is very large.
0: Oh. So it
1: had spread, he had cancer and it had spread very quickly and aggressively she basically said, You can do chemo, you can do surgery, but you know, we can't really say what the outcome will be. My boyfriend is much more of an optimist than I am. <laughs> so he's like, We'll do surgery, it's all gonna be fine and you know, I'm just replaying everything in my head, like, ah, I don't know, I don't know. So we end up doing the surgery, which I was, you know, I was nervous about in itself because things can go wrong in, in surgeries and we had a we had like one of the top top surgeons in Illinois. Um, and he did successfully remove the tumor. So we weren't sure. You know, they said it, it could come back. And the problem was, too, because he was only two and this cancer was so rare, they did not have a lot of research on it. They didn't have a lot of, you know, results from other dogs because this was so rare. So so after that, um, we did do chemo as well. And after that, I just knew, you know, I needed to take advantage of of every minute that I could spend with him because we just didn't know. So we did some fun stuff. We took him on a boat down south in Illinois. We have a a river you can take a boat out on, uh, Starved Rock, it's called. So we did that one day. Just took him on some fun different adventures. But about seven months later, uh, we did a recheck and they, they saw that it was coming back. So after that, we had him for maybe a few more weeks and then the last day, he was running into walls and stuff. And I could oh just God. tell, yeah, it had just gotten to a point we just had to, um, right. to put him down. And, I, I, you know, I figured maybe it spread to his brain and, and you know, that's why he was getting all disoriented. Right. So, oh, yeah, that was probably one of the toughest days of my life.
0: I'm so sorry. Ugh. Yeah,
1: and I've never had to put a dog down before. My dad took our child, the one childhood dog I had, my dad had taken but I've always read, you know, never leave the dog, always be there, be there for them. So we did stay to the last minute, but that was rough, really, really mm-hmm. rough. So And that's why Live Like Room means so much to me. Um, Sarah and I have developed a pretty good friendship because she actually, when Duncan had cancer, she sent us a care package. It yeah. had you know, one of the fleece blankets and a new collar and toys. So here I am. I'm trying to give back to them as much as I can. Um, we're donating. They work with Booker Fund. They give hotel stays to families who have a dog who's terminal and they get a professional photographer and everything to come. And it's sort of a, a nice, you know, if I, I, I can't imagine having that with Duncan. So I am more than happy, give them pajamas for the dog. And if the human wants them as well, just because I know, I know how meaningful those last weeks are and, you know, to get pictures of you guys all, all matching, mm-hmm. is just fun and, and another great memory
0: oh i love I love that so much that that you've been able to honor his memory like that
1: mm-hmm, and then we're actually working on um we have custom pajamas that we made for for live like rue so it has Rue's face uh and their Aww. logo on them and we're we're working on getting getting those made for all their followers and anyone who wants to support them. They do amazing things
0: oh I'd love that mm hmm so how did pity clothing come about
1: so The actually, this goes back to Duncan. So we had him for two Christmases, I want to say. And I can't remember if it was the first or second Christmas, but I was like, I want matching Christmas pajamas with him. And then it was so funny, like I and I knew I had previously bought dog clothes and and everything would always just fall down his chest. I have photos on my website of it's just their chests are just so wide and large that you know, things just don't fit them. So I knew that this was a need that people, you know, people, people who own pit bulls had, had the same issues. Absolutely. And then ironically, actually on Facebook that night, I saw someone else who works at the shelter. She posted like, does anyone know where I can find clothes that fit pit bulls? And it was the same idea that like, uh, you know, the same day that I was thinking this exact same thing. I'm like, okay, so clearly there's somewhat of a need. Right. And then... I just loved, I loved Duncan so much. I just really wanted to match him. And so at the time there were a couple companies that had made stuff. This was about four years ago. One of them was, was in a different country and it just took, it took a really long, it took probably like four to five months for me to actually receive the clothes. And they are intended for, for pit bulls, but because in their, con- in their home country, their pit bulls are actually like sta- more of staffies, Staffordshire mm-hmm. Terriers. The fit just was different than American pit bull terrier. So it still just didn't work. So I was like, okay, right now, you know, it's pretty much impossible for me to find this. So how can I go about creating this myself? So it took, it actually, I had the idea three to four years ago. I had the logo made that summer and everything. But then when I went back to teaching my life, you know, just got really busy and I kind of, kind of put it on the back burner. Right. Yeah. And then the following summer I worked on it a little bit more and then went back to school, got busy. And then about two years ago, two summers ago, I was like, okay, I'm going all in on this. So I put out a Facebook ad and I asked people if they wanted their pit bull to be a model and they needed to live in Chicago so I could meet them in person. And I had probably like a hundred emails. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it was crazy. So there's
0: definitely a market.
1: (laughs) Yeah, there was no like, I wasn't paying them or anything because I'm a teacher. I didn't have much money. They were just going to meet me in a park. I I set up five different park locations around Chicagoland area. And they signed up for a time and a park to meet me at. and, And I had a little table set up and they just came over and we took measurements so I gathered measurements of probably like 75 dogs and just, you know, tried to find the trends of what their chest length, you know, the range of chest length, the range of the, the back, the range of the neck. And then I had my first sample made last year. And then actually it's quite the process. So once you get all the samples made, then you have to try those on a bunch of dogs. So that's been one of the hardest parts actually is it's really time consuming, you know, to, to go meet dozens of dogs around the city, especially when you have a full-time job.
0: Right.
1: So yeah, went around. So once I got the samples, I tried to travel to people just to ease the burden on them of coming to me. Tried them on a whole bunch of dogs, we made some revisions, and then we did our second round of sampling, and we found it to be 99% good. So we went with that and had a bunch mass produced, and then they came in this past December. Unfortunately, a little too close to Christmas, but that's how it goes. (laughs) I wanted them for Christmas, and actually, so people who lived in Chicago were able to get them because they could pick them up. But I think they arrived like December sixteenth. It was a fun day, though. the The UPS guy came with sixteen ginormous boxes, <laughs> and I was like, "What? I don't even know how we're getting these up the stairs. Where are these going? I, I live in a, a small two bedroom apartment with my boyfriend and." dog and foster dog. So he rolled them all up the stairs and I rolled them inside. And my house to this day is like, right now I'm just sitting in between a whole bunch of bins on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. But super fun. I, I have enjoyed the, it, this doesn't feel like work and you know, really? people say find something that it doesn't feel like you're going to work every day. I mean, I just love doing this. I spend, you know, a lot less time going to bars and more time in Starbucks now, but that's what I prefer at this stage of my life so here we are
0: so you don't have any background in like sewing like you're not like making these like (laughs) on a sewing machine
1: or or, no I'm not so originally I was so like two two summers ago I was like okay I have to learn I have to learn to sew (laughs) I went to a private school and sewing was not one of the we didn't have uh any real life skills it was all my boyfriend makes fun of me for that because he actually knows how <laughs> sew so a bit but I actually had the same neighbors who helped me build that doghouse years ago they still live across the street from my parents and I'm still best friends with their daughter oh, wow. her mom actually helped me to sew the original 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 prototype sample that's sort of how it all got started and I was like okay I really need to learn and and I mean, to be honest, by the time I learned how to sew, it would be like three years later, and this right. wouldn't go anywhere. So, yeah, I'm more of a, a, and and I work with a few different designers. I I like to be the person that kind of um, hands out the roles to other people who are better than I am at it. I
0: get that. <laughs>
1: yeah, and it works, and it's just the most time productive. You know, it takes so long to to be good at a skill that. I just try to hire people who are already really good at it and I just kind of run it if that makes sense.
0: Oh, totally. Totally. And I like
1: the fun part of I like the social I do the social media stuff. I enjoy that. I like, you know, creating the relationships with rescues. We're doing a rescue event coming up at a brewery, dog-friendly brewery in collaboration with another rescue. I love all that stuff and giving money back to them. We just donated a bunch of clothes and bandanas to Chicago Animal Control and just seeing their photos online of them wearing like Bright, cute clothing that's that I'm responsible for is just so fun.
0: Oh, that's wonderful! So, so fun, yeah, yeah. I love the, you. Know, all the patterns are just like you know, make you smile and you know, uh-huh.
1: Yeah, and that was kind of the goal. You know, things that that aren't the opposite of intimidating, right? Right. Because because people do act when your dog is in pajamas, they act like completely different. You know, so I'm hoping that if pitbulls are wearing these, that people just are see them as more approachable, and and if it can spark a conversation between the owner and the person petting the dog, little by little, I think I think they can make a difference.
0: Did you experience a lot of negativity towards your dogs? Oh
1: yeah, 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 yeah. So that was actually one of the most surprising things I think. So when we got Duncan, we lived in a high rise. We would have people who wouldn't get in the elevator. We had a woman who literally said to her two daughters. And and Duncan was the sweetest, got along with kids, got along with dogs. I mean, the sweetest dog. She said to her two daughters, don't pet that dog. He's a naughty dog. Before even touching him or coming near him or asking anything about him. Yeah. So unfortunately, we saw how people, some of these misconceptions, unfortunately, I mean, in that case was created by their own parent who, you know, I don't know if it's based on what she saw in media or if she had a, a personal thing happen or what, but um, yeah, I mean, so so now these kids were young, maybe five and nine or something. So, you know, now they're thinking, oh, pit bulls are bad. But they've never even potentially met one. <laughs> right. Yeah the, yeah, the reaction is completely different. It, it was really actually mind-blowing to me. And, you know, everyone has their, has their stories. So maybe they did have a bad experience or if their neighbors, you know, had one. And I don't know. But I would just hate for, for someone who's never had any experience and is basing it solely off off what they see on TV and things like that, it's just—I mean, it's discrimination to say the least.
0: I'm always surprised to hear that because I guess I think of, especially I think of like Chicago. I know there's so many amazing, you know, organizations and programs and and stuff. So I guess I wouldn't have thought it would be that much of a of a problem, but I guess it still is.
1: Yeah, and it's it's interesting too. So I mean, there's it's really hard to find housing apartments. That's one. One big issue. So we were living in the loop, more of the like, you know, we're the financial district where people are. It's mostly like companies and things like that in the loop. But um, once we decided to move, we had to basically live on the west side of the city. So the west side of the city, for some reason, has has a lot more lax rules about pit bulls being able to live there. So we are somewhat limited to even where we can live and what neighborhoods we can live in because of because of the BSL stuff. Breed specific legislation. Yeah. So, yeah, it's 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 unfortunate. And there's, I know, you know, a lot of people have to give up their dogs because their landlord says, you know, they can't have it. Or if they have to move to a new place and the building doesn't allow it, a lot of the dogs that are in animal control are there because of that.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. We see a lot of that in Baltimore, too.
1: Uh-huh. But yeah, the Chicago rescue community actually is, is is amazing. I mean they we have so many rescues and they work together. Um they support each other, so they are making making a big difference. But you know, there's always room for growth. Still a lot of people that we need to convince to get pit bulls.
0: <laughs> Agreed. And get
1: rescue and not, not buy from breeders as well.
0: Right. But yeah, seeing a, a pit bull in pajamas certainly makes them more approachable.
1: For sure. For sure, it's it's really fun actually to see people's reactions when they see them, and I I have yet to wear my matching ones outside, but it's gonna happen <laughs> soon because I can only imagine the looks I'm gonna get. <laughs> That's
0: so cute.
1: Yeah, we have one organization here actually that it's called Sociables, and they take a bunch of pit bulls on walks every weekend. And if if the dog doesn't necessarily like other dogs, they'll they they basically create a really long line and they can give space between each dog.
0: Right.
1: But I was thinking how amazing it would be if everyone was matching, and they just have this long line of pit bulls going through the city. That would make my day.
0: (laughs) Yeah, the organization that I volunteer with uh, will do these events at the Baltimore Inner Harbor, where we we always call it Pit Bulls on Parade. But uh, you know, it's just a dog walk and. Uh and Try to pick different themes and you know so we'll do like uh we always call it saint pity's day instead of, oh you know, cute and so everybody will have their green you know on their dogs and on them and you know we'll do like um we'll do like another one in the spring with like you know the orioles because we're um the harbor is a couple blocks away from the orioles stadium so we'll have everybody wearing you know orange and black or orioles you know stuff and we'll oh, do that's like so that. fun like a halloween walk or a, uh-huh. a, a christmas walk you know uh-huh.
1: and how so, many people do you typically have how many dogs
0: i can range anywhere from five to you know 25 or more you know uh-huh. the weather is very weather dependent oh yeah <laughs> and also parking is is kind of difficult down there uh-huh. too but um
1: that's fantastic though
0: Yeah, I love, that's one of my favorite things to do. (laughs)
1: If you guys ever need a a line of matching pajamas, let me know. (laughs) Yes,
0: I love that idea. (laughs) And so you have a a dog named Dougie now, is that right? Yes.
1: So after Duncan passed away, the following weekend, I just like needed to be around dogs. So it was, Chicago has like an, uh, I forget what they call it, but it's just a big adoption day. And, you know, some of the fees are waived or lowered. Um, So that Saturday, I just went from like rescue to rescue, just petting dogs. And I, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't necessarily looking for one. I just, you just need to pet dogs. They're just so therapeutic. (laughs) And I stopped at Chicago Animal Control actually for the first time. It was the first time I had been there. And I saw my friend who was the one who posted on Facebook, like, three years prior, does anyone know where I can find pajamas for pit bulls? Um, (laughs) I saw her there and I told her about how our dog had passed. Um, She's like, well, you know what, if you need me, she volunteers there. So she said, you know, if you need me to show you any, or want some recommendations. So the following week she sent a few dogs that needed foster. And I'm like, well, we can foster. Now we have, we have an open house and you know, we're, it's saving lives. So, the following week we went, we got Dougie and then Skeeter was they were both confiscated from someone's basement and we took both of them in and Skeeter <laughs> actually there. We loved both of them and they they both had totally opposite personalities, though Skeeter was a bigger like more of a couch potato type dog. And and Dougie reminded us a bit more of Duncan. So. Skeeter went to a loving home and then we ended up keeping Dougie and it all yeah. happened very quickly. But, and you know, people grieve in different ways, but I still grieve for Duncan as we had Doug, but I just needed a dog to snuggle me and be able to pet. Right. Uh, just, I know some people will wait six months or a year to get one, but I just, uh, I just need a dog in my life. And then, right now, we're so we're continuing to foster. Um, we have a little Chihuahua right now who we've had actually for about nine months. Um, she's had a super traumatic past too, but I have a newfound love for Chihuahuas now as well. Oh wow! <laughs> the other dogs that are uh, Chicago Animal Control is mostly just pit bulls and Chihuahuas.
0: Oh, interesting. In uh, in Baltimore, we don't see a ton of Chihuahuas, but we see um, like the the Shitzu type dogs and they often are in dire need of grooming
1: oh yeah 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 i've seen i've seen some photos of those guys yeah yeah chihuahuas are pretty big pretty big here hopefully she'll find her loving home soon but i've fallen so in now having two dogs like at night i got one land on each side of me (laughs) (laughs) i just i actually really enjoy having two but we think it'd be a little tough to foster to keep fostering with two just to have a third dog in, in a small apartment is a bit much. Right. So we're keeping our eye out for the perfect home for her. But we love her. Oh.
0: Yeah. I, I think um I think I learned so much about dog about dogs and dog behavior from having two dogs and getting to watch them like interact and, and stuff. it was uh-huh. like, a really cool like learning experience for me.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and and Doug actually typically does not get along well with dogs bigger than him but but for some reason he's chihuahuas i mean she she just owns him i mean she just bosses him around so much <laughs> and it's just so funny cuz she's like a fifth of the size right. but he knows like she gives him a look and he's like okay i'm not walking that way <laughs> It's interesting how the little ones, little ones boss the big ones around.
0: It's always the little guys. <laughs> and, uh, and how
1: he's not scared of like a Doug isn't scared of like a hundred pound dog, but he's scared to death of this 10 pound dog. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and so where can people find you if they want to find out more about pity clothing?
1: Yes. Yeah, so I try to keep it simple. So on Instagram, it is pity clothing. Um, and pity is P I T T I E clothing. And then our website is pityclothing.com. And Facebook, it's under Pity Clothing Company, but if you type in Pity Clothing, it should pop up. And yeah, so in the future, we might try to move some stuff to Amazon, but right now we're strictly through pityclothing.com.
0: And so you guys have collars, bandanas, you have the uh, pajamas for dogs, and then the matching pajamas for people.
1: Yes, so we have uh, the Martingale collars, which we like for, for bigger, stronger dogs. Um, large bandanas, but so actually it's cute. Some, some people at home will have like a pit bull and then a smaller dog. So people will buy the pajamas for the big dog and then get the matching bandana for the smaller dog so they can still match. So that's kind of cute. Yeah. Yeah. And then we have donut designs, pizza designs, Chicago hot dog designs. And then for (laughs) our colors and bandanas, we have some Chicago themed stuff. We have the Ferris wheel, uh, the bean, the flag, um, so it's kind of neat if you're a Chicago fan as well. And then we have some plaid for anyone who wants, likes to look a little more formal. Not so <laughs> <silly>. <laughs> and we're working. We're working on a new pattern right now, so we're hoping maybe spring, summer, it will come out. But right now, it's a secret. Oh, okay.
0: it <laughs> How does your your rescue partner partnership and giving back all work?
1: So. Right now on our website, we have a spot where if someone's interested in collaborating with us, they can just shoot us an email. Right now, I, I haven't chosen one rescue per month because I just like to hear everyone's different stories, and, and I like to do things that, that come along. So um, we're doing some different events where we go and set up a table, and we're giving 10% back to the rescue who's hosting. Uh, we're doing the Live Like Roo stuff. We just donated, donated the bandanas to Chicago Animal Control. Uh, and then we did a promotion where on february 12th we did for every pajama bought we would donate one back to chicago animal control so we're really open to 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 anything that that people people want to want to collaborate on so if they just shoot me an email um i'm trying to be the yes person i'm just trying to say yes to everything because i want to help as many people as i can
0: Oh, I just love that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And what's really nice, too, is because I'm a teacher full time and, you know, I have a set salary. This, you know, this stuff is 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 just fun. And we can you know, we don't have to look at numbers so closely because I do have a full time job. So so it's nice. It's nice to to be able to help pretty much anyone who asks
0: (laughs) for fun and to do good.
1: Uh huh. Exactly.
0: Well, that's wonderful. I will make sure to put links in the show notes for this episode so that people can come right to you and find you. And I hope to see lots of photos in of dogs in pajamas soon.
1: <laughs> yes, follow us and you'll see all the, all the dogs in pajamas.
0: Well, thank you so much for your time, Erin, and for
1: sharing your story with us. Thank you. That was fun.
0: so grateful to Erin for sharing her story with us today. I appreciate any of my guests who have talked about the loss of a dog in their lives. I know how difficult it is to go through and I know how difficult it is to bring it up. So thank you, Erin. And also thank you to Sarah and Mindy and Dr. Zazie Todd and Liz. Michelle Soraki and everyone who has shared that vulnerable piece of their story with us. I felt like it was important for me to recognize and acknowledge that as many amazing wonderful parts there are to being a pet parent that there's also sometimes hard and difficult parts that we all go through and I get that and you're not alone. One of the parts of Erin's story that reminded me of my own story is the parents who weren't really receptive to having a dog now. She did better than I did with getting her parents to cave to that. And I just love the determination and grit and dedication that she had with writing her parents letters year after year and working with her best friend's dad behind their backs to build this doghouse. I just love that story so much. And I just sometimes wonder if parents know that when you don't allow a child something when they're growing up, that a lot of times it means that they're. Are going to be totally obsessed with it as adults, whether that's dogs or video games or sugar and junk food. I have seen all of these things. And I love that you can still see Erin's dedication and determination in her pity clothing company with the story that she told about driving all around chicago to measure at least 75 different dogs to get the sizing for her clothes right like i respect and appreciate that so much here she is working as a teacher and then spending her summer driving around chicago to parks so that she can measure dogs like that is just amazing right there that is somebody after my own heart (laughs) I respect and admire people who are able to make their passion into their full-time job and live from that, but as somebody who is still in a day job and then spending their evenings and weekends volunteering and podcasting and other passion projects, I just totally respect and appreciate the time and energy, dedication and commitment that goes into pursuing these types of things in addition to working a full-time job. It is definitely not easy. I'll have links in the show notes so that you can find pityclothing.com as well as pityclothing on their social media. I always appreciate supporting businesses that find a way to give back. And I think that Aaron and Pity Clothing are doing so many different things to support and give back to their community and the shelters and rescues. I'll also be sharing some photos from Aaron's family and of Duncan and of Pity Clothing on at Believe in Dog podcast on Facebook and at Believe underscore in underscore dog underscore podcast on Instagram. So make sure to follow me and Let's show Erin and Pity Clothing some love. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Believe in Dog podcast. Remember, you can subscribe to the podcast on your favorite app. Subscribing and listening is always free. And if you enjoyed this podcast, I'd always appreciate your ratings and reviews, especially on Apple Podcasts. Your ratings and reviews really do help more people find the show. And I also appreciate you telling a friend or sharing on your social media. So until next time, this is Erin Scott, sending hugs and belly rubs.